Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Good morning out there, all you short-term shoppers. It's Avery Carl, and I wanted to give you guys a quick reminder about something that I don't think I've done a good enough job of keeping you aware of. So I get a lot of emails from y'all every week, and I love getting emails from you, by the way. I love talking to our listeners, and a lot of them are asking for real estate agent recommendations in different markets, and what I don't think I've done a good job of is making sure that you guys are aware that the short-term show is actually a subsidiary of the short-term shop which is the largest short-term rental specific real estate team brokered by EXP. I have to say that or I get in trouble in the country. So we have offices in 12 of the top short-term rental markets in the country, and we are here to help you purchase your first, second, third, or 10th short-term rental. And if you buy with us in any of those markets, we have a whole back-end training program where we will teach you everything you need to know about managing your short-term rental remotely. Everything from setting up your Airbnb and VRBO listings to teaching you how to use all the property management software that you'll need, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners and handymen. And we have some awesome Facebook support communities that we want you guys to be a part of where we all share ideas and information about managing our short-term rental, which short-term rentals, which markets are the best, uh, what we're doing next, and all of that really fun stuff. So if you want to be a part of the short-term shop community, if you want to buy a house with us, we really want to help you guys. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click schedule a consultation. We'll see you there. If you invest in real estate or manage properties, you need banking that's truly built for your business. Many traditional banks make it difficult to sync banking information across many of the personal finance platforms that we as real estate investors use every day. This is why I recommend Relay. Relay is an online banking and money management platform that's a perfect fit for any real estate business. First, there are no account fees, no overdraft fees, and no minimum balances, which means you get to keep more money in your pocket. Relay also goes above and beyond the banking basics to help you understand precisely what you're earning, spending, and saving. You get up to 20 checking accounts to organize and allocate income for things like day-to-day -day expenses, investments, or taxes. And if you have multiple investment properties set up as separate business entities, that's no problem. Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access everything from one single login. Best of all, Relay makes your bookkeeping speedy and meticulous by giving you ultra-detailed transaction data and directly syncing it back to QuickBooks Online and Zero. The ability to have so many separate bank accounts and allocation options in my user dashboard has really transformed my personal banking experience. I will never go back. It takes 10 minutes to apply for a Relay account, and you can do it online at RelayFi.com slash the short term shop. So again, for more information and to open an account, go to RelayFi.com slash the short term shop. Hey guys, welcome back to the short term show. Today we have Kyle Stanley. He has built a really big short-term rental business in a much different way than I have. And I love to hear from other people who have done things 
way differently than me. I really love to highlight that there are a lot of ways you can be successful in the short-term rental or the real estate investing space in general. Kyle also has a fantastic podcast called The Fearless Investor that you guys should check out. And Kyle, I'll let you take it from here. How's it going? Good, Avery. Thanks for letting me be on. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming. Super excited to have you. So uh, first, let's just uh, let's start at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, in Fresno, California. Um, so our business is in Fresno, Bass Lake, which is about an hour north of Fresno, and then also in uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Overall, we have close to 70 units. And like you mentioned, most of which we don't own. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, if, if you want the background, I was, you know, basically growing up being a, a huge baseball fan and thought I'd be the next play-by-play -play guy, sports center anchor, you know, so I was a sports anchor right out of college, uh, went down that route, found out very quickly that it kind of like you, you know, when we talked, uh, you know, going down that route of it's, it's a really high in demand job that everyone is lining up to want to do. Um, so they're willing to give it to just about anyone who wants to take $19,000 a year. <laughs> so oh my me, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, I found out very quickly that not only was that not the dream job I thought it was going to be, but it was also uh, just a really difficult uh, environment to be in. And so started my own business, went down the entrepreneur route, uh, failed in that first business, um, and then ended up going into some multi-level marketing, went into sales, just tried like everything under the sun for about nine or 10 years. And then uh, one day I was just like, you know what? If nothing changes, nothing changes. Um, I'm going to, I don't want to be working until the day that I die. Uh, my dad was actually on his deathbed at that time. And I really just was doing a hard look at what life looked like for me. And I, I kind of saw myself going down the same road and uh, said, what, what's passive? You know, what actually can I make money on when I sleep? And real estate came to mind, jumped into real estate. Eventually that turned into Airbnb. And I made that decision to jump into Airbnb May of 2019. We got our first six units within the first six months and then COVID hit. And then from there, uh, as, as everything like kind of started to settle back in, it was crazy because everyone was wondering, Hey, how's Airbnb doing? How's short-term rentals doing? And I said, it's still doing really well, even though COVID's going on and everyone and their mom wanted me to, to take over their house to do as a short-term rental right around July of 2020. And that's when the real growth happened. So basically from zero to 65 plus units in right around three years. And, uh, it's been an amazing ride. That is quite an amazing ride. So yeah. let's start at the beginning. So okay. you're deciding, okay, I don't want to work the rest of my life. And I already said, let's start at the beginning. So now I'm going to be hyper aware of that. Um, whatever. So let's start <laughs> at, at step two. You are looking really hard at your life and yeah. uh, you're saying, okay, well, I don't really want to do this the rest of my life. What can I do? What made you decide real estate? And then a step further, what made you decide short-term rentals? Yeah. So it was kind of a two-step process there. First of all, I was, just, like I mentioned, I tried some multi-level marketing out and was actually decently successful in that. But um, that was the first time I was really introduced to the term passive income, um, which I just think is a crime that a 26 year old had never heard the term passive income. And now today I realize like people in their forties and fifties still, I say passive income, they're like, what's that? And, <laughs> uh, and that's, that's just, you know, uh, I, I won't go into all the, the school system stuff, but you know, that that's, I'm very passionate about the fact that that's not talked about in the school system. But for me, I, I heard that term and I was like, wow, that's really possible. Huh? And and I got into multi-level marketing and it's not quite as passive as they make you believe. So 
when I was kind of exiting from that, I said, what is truly passive? And I just started Googling passive income and real estate just kept popping up. So then I got into a podcast like this one where I was just learning about real estate and trying to figure out, you know, how can I go buy an apartment complex? How can I buy a, a you know single family home? And all of that was cool. But, you know, I found out very quickly, like, hey, I don't have the money to do all that. And so now I need to educate myself on wholesaling and flipping and going straight to the, the direct to seller. And I got into that side of it and I got my second flip under contract. This was May of 2019. I got my second contract uh, for my second flip. And as I was flipping it, I was like, wait, this would be a really good rental. It's two houses on one lot. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe even a short-term rental, maybe people are crazy enough to stay in Fresno, California for two or three nights uh, a week. And I tried it. I looked at the numbers and I was like, yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. And so I made three and a half times as much as a short-term rental than I would have as a long-term rental in month one. And that was enough for me to say, okay, like what, what have I been missing out on here? Let's take a look. And, you know, again, just dove into education, dove into figuring out what was I missing on and learned about arbitrage, learned about co-hosting, figured out, Hey, if I, if I can really do this without owning a house, then I can move this thing way faster than, than I ever thought possible. And, and, you know, again, this was coming from a guy at the time I was 31 years old. Um, most I'd ever made in a year was $75,000 working 50, 60 hours a week. And so when I saw like, Hey, one, one place could make me a thousand or $2,000 a month. I started doing the math in my head and I was like, I could get five units and make more money in my life than I ever have before. And it could be fairly passive. If I put some people in the right place, if I put some systems in the right place and sure enough, uh, six months in, we had six units. It was making me about $8,000 a month, more than I'd ever made per month in my life. And now fast forward to today, just, you know, crazy, you know, 50, sometimes $60,000 a month. That is, that's, it really is powerful how quickly yeah. once you get like two or three, how quickly you can go. I mean, you don't have to go fast. I'm not saying that by any means. So don't everybody go say, well, Avery Carl right. told me I had to go from zero to <laughs> 70 in, in two weeks. But uh, it really is powerful that once you get a few rolling, you can really scale as, as quickly as you want to. And um, I'm that's really cool that you're able to do that. So let's talk about what your mix of what's in your portfolio, basically. So what you own versus what you co-hosts versus what you arbitrage. And actually, let's back up a little bit for the people who are listening who might not be familiar with the term arbitrage. What is that? Yeah. So arbitrage is essentially just leasing from an owner and then subleasing on Airbnb, VRBO, any other OTAs with the permission of the owner. That's the key thing. A lot of people out there try to do it, you know, uh, beneath the the rug under the rug. And, and that's not the right way to do it. You want to make sure to actually be upfront with that owner. Um, so, you know, that's an art to, to get them to say yes. And that's an art to, you know, actually follow through on what you say you're going to do. Uh, so, but the, the beauty of that is, you know, whatever your expenses is, take that away from whatever the profit is. And, and there's your, your income that you made for the month and you only had to furnish it and pay the security deposit and just every month pay the rent. So amazing opportunity there. That's really how I saw, Hey, instead of spending a hundred thousand dollars on a house that I'm going to buy, I could spend 10,000, $15,000 on an arbitrage and not be tied to the real estate. If there's, you know, a downturn, I could, I could end that lease rather than having to try to figure out how I'm going to sell or get out of that deal. So 
that's arbitrage. Um, what was what was the other part of your question there? What what my portfolio oh, yeah. looks like? Yeah. So second yeah. part, it was actually the first part, and then I flip flopped it on you. Okay. So what do yeah. you own slash arbitrage slash co-host for friends yeah. and clients? Yeah. So we own eight short-term rental doors. Um, I own a couple more that are just regular rentals. And then um, we have, I want to say seven or eight arbitrage. We've actually downscaled on arbitrage recently. And then we have right around, what's the difference there? About 50 to 55 uh, co-hosting deals. Okay. So eight own, eight arbitrage and 50 to 60 co-host. Okay. So let's start with talking about arbitrage. So how do you choose a market to go into when you want to arbitrage? Because I get people sometimes that will come to us and say, hey, I really want to arbitrage in this like true vacation market. And a lot I've never seen that work. You might be about to disprove me, but um, I feel like that is a strategy that probably works best in like a metro market. But what are your thoughts? How do you choose markets? Yeah. So I, I completely agree with you um, that it probably is more likely to work in a more metro uh, location. But, you know, I, I just had a student on my show actually yesterday. Uh, his name's Jacob and he's in Flagstaff, Arizona. Not quite like a beach, you know, type of town. It's definitely mountain town, but I would say 70, 80% of what he's hosting is vacationers. And he has five uh, arbitrage deals over there and has only been doing it for five months. So I think, you know, one, one thing I always say is if you can start in your own backyard, start there because you can feel it, touch it, smell it. You can use all five senses on the whole thing because it's right there in your own backyard. Uh, but if, if you are, you know, in a place that isn't going to allow in your area, do your best to try to find a place that's at least within driving distance, um, and works within the numbers. So, you know, like I, I think the numbers, is the most important thing to, to get into because just because I live in a city and there's a few opportunities to arbitrage doesn't mean that the numbers work out. Right. So I need to really get good at using air DNA. I need to get good at figuring out, Hey, what are my expenses going to be? And, and figuring that out to be able to say, is this even worth my time? Is this actually a deal? And so I think, you know, and, and you might agree with this, Avery, five years ago, you know, we could probably list on Airbnb just about anywhere and just start making money. Whereas today we have to be a little bit more like keen with what we're looking for. So to me, you're either starting in your own market or you're starting somewhere near there. Or third option is, hey, partner with someone that you trust, that you know, that you like. Uh, you know, my business in Arizona is with one of my best friends. And when I went over to Arizona, I said, hey, I trust you. I know that you can be boots on the ground. I can kind of help structure the business model in the background. And that's exactly what we've done. So I think those are the, really the three options that you have when you're first starting. Um, and, and then, you know, just doubling down if you figure out, and especially like if you're in a market that is, let's call it, you know, not ideal, at least you learn the basics of how to run that business, right? If I start, even if, even if it's a room out of your own house and you live in that house, at least you learn how to use Airbnb. You get to Superhost. You understand how to start automating some messages, how to start, you know, learning that system of turnovers, even though it's just a bedroom. You can start learning those things and then apply it in a different market to an entire house. 
And, and now you can even show those owners, Hey, I have experience on Airbnb. Look at this. I'm a super host. You know, I've, I've got the reviews. And I think that's really just the toughest thing is just getting the first deal and showing that you have that experience. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about owners. Let's talk about these landlords that you are convincing to let you do this because I, as a landlord, I'm going to take some convincing, uh, if somebody wants to arbitrage my place. So how do you get them to agree to this? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, might if we do a little bit of role play? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you own 220 rentals, right? Yep. And what, uh, 212 of them are long-term rentals? Yeah. So look at you paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, Avery, what are some of the, the frustrations you have with those long-term rentals? Um, especially give me an example, maybe one tenant that you don't enjoy working with and has been a headache for you. So we've got property managers on these, so I mm. don't deal with it too much, but there was one who has a, um, dog who the way this apartment building that we own is you it's interior hallways. So you're walking into the building and you're in a hallway before you get to your doorway. And rather than this dog going outside of the building to poop. He poops in the hallway every oh, time wonderful. Wonderful. inside the hallway. And so, you know, the entire hallway smells like dog poop. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a problem that we've had recently. And how long of a lease do they have? They, we inherited that tenant. Uh, so mm. they've been there for a few years and I believe they've still got another year, maybe two years on their lease. Okay. Lucky you inheriting that wonderful tenant. <laughs> so if, if you, if you could have it your way though, you'd want them probably out so that you can put a better tenant in right now. Yes. They are under market yeah. at the moment, yeah. but, but because of the lease, you have to wait another year or two years. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if in that situation, if I'm going to rent your house and I have a tenant that comes in and we allow them to have a dog and we give them specific instructions and tell them, Hey, here's the rules. You have to take them outside. If we have our ring footage, if we have neighbors complaining that they're breaking the rules, we can get them out just like that. Um, and all we have to do with that is show Airbnb that this guest is breaking the rules. Airbnb can get involved or we can get involved. In fact, we've had it specifically where a couple of times the authorities have gotten involved, uh, not for something as minor as that, but uh, we do incentivize the guests to be able to leave as quickly as possible. Um, and we've always been able to get them out it, even if their, their uh, reservation is for another month, we even just offer them a refund so that we can get them out and we can put a better tenant in there. So with your situation, you have to wait a year or two years. For me, I can get that done in 24 to 48 hours. Would that be a better benefit knowing that you're not having to piss off all your neighbors who are <laughs> trying to step over, over uh, dog poop? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That would be, but like what kind of stuff is bigger than the dog poop that you're having to get people out for? Like, I don't know about all that. Yeah. So like, give me an example, like parties. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what are some things in the past that you've had to get people like the authorities involved with? That doesn't sound like something I want to really deal with. Yeah. And so here's, here's another response to that. So we've hosted over 15,000 people. We've only had to call the cops twice and that's a pretty good, return uh, right there when you talk about only two people that we've ever had to call the cops on one thought they were booked 
for an extra day. So it really wasn't much of a ruckus. They just were like, hey, I'm convinced I'm booked for another day. We were able to show the authorities, no, they're not. And the authorities knocked on the door, showed the guests that, and the guests left very quietly. Uh, the other reason was just because, you know, there was there was a party. Um, we weren't able to get them out through Airbnb. They weren't being cooperative. So we had to call the authorities. Um, and because there was already another uh, neighbor complaint with noise, we were able to get them out right away. But the good news is, is that I've dealt with other owners who have literally hosted college students or people that seem like really good guests or really good tenants. And they think they're going to be great for a year. But then they start throwing parties every single weekend and they can't get them out because they're they're locked to that lease for a year or two. So this is someone that we can, again, just get out within 24 hours. So those are some of the things that kind of the conversations we talk about with you, especially Avery. One of the things that we could do is we would say, hey, how much are you paying for that property management company? And if you tell me eight, 10 percent, you know, what if I could get you that same rent? and be a free property manager for you, because that's essentially what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to treat this house like it's my own, and I'm not going to charge you anything. In fact, I'd be happy to give you an extra hundred dollars on the rent because I'm going to be making money at this place. I'm going to be doing a business, but here's some of the benefits for you. And then I start listing off those benefits of here's why it's better to work with a business. You're going to get direct deposit from us. That's going to come at the same time every single month. You're going to be able to know that there's eyes on your property on every single turnover. You're not going to have any surprises after a year or two years like you would with other guests. You're going to have multiple forms of insurance, not just one. Um, and so we just go really deep into those. Uh, but honestly, like I'll just tell you, I don't, I don't do any of that until I've formed a relationship with that owner. I want to get in there and I want to see, do I even like the person? Do they like me? And can we actually, you know, see each other having a beer and having a, you know, a, a decent conversation, not like running for the doors. Um, that to me is where business is, is built is with relationships. And then you bring in how you can be a benefit. Okay. I get it. I'll, that's uh, you're good. You're good. Um, okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is co-hosting. So it sounds like the majority of your units, you are co-hosting. So does that work like a more like a kind of traditional style short-term rental property manager? Or are you like these people are self-managing and you're kind of helping out when they're gone or what's, what's your setup look like? Yeah, no, we're, we're a full service self, um, basically property. I, I don't like using the word property management, uh, but yeah, we're short-term rental property managers. So, uh, the owner doesn't have to do a single thing, but the great thing for us is that we have no money invested in the deals. So the furniture, the consumables, the amenities, the mortgage, the utilities, that's all in the owner's name. We'll help them with getting furniture set up. We have an interior designer if they want to use them. Our team will put together all of the consumables from the towels and the pots and the pans. We'll do all that. And the owner is completely passive in it. But the benefit to the owner is, hey, I was going to get you know $2,000 in rent now with this model even after paying Kyle's team, now I'm making 2,500, I'm making 3,000, maybe I'm even making more and I'm getting a better return. Um, even just year one there, if they spend $20,000 on the furniture and we make them call it $1,000 a month, that's $12,000, that's a 60% return just in year one. There's not much in real estate that you can do with a 60% return. Um, <clears throat> so for that reason, we get, and what's great about this model, Avery, is that, with arbitrage, right? I, I give them a guaranteed. And so they're very hands off and they don't worry about it as long as the house is, you know, getting uh, in, in good condition. They just don't really care much about what's going on with co-hosting. They're like, 
wow, I just made an extra 500. I just made an extra thousand dollars and I didn't have to lift a finger. What are they going to do when they, when they experience that? They're going to tell their other friends, Hey, mm -hmm. this guy, Kyle, he's running my house and he's making me more money. And you know, they brag about it. Right. And so what happens is this, this snowball of leads just starts coming in because I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. I'm getting them a great return. I'm building great relationships. And so my phone just keeps on ringing. So literally from July of 2020 till today, consistently, my, my phone rings about three to four times a week with someone who wants to list with me uh, with their house on Airbnb. That's awesome. So what are you, what do you charge for this setup to where, you know, they're not, they're not involved at all. You're basically a property manager. We're not going to call it a property mm -hmm. manager because you know, that doesn't, that has negative connotations sometimes in short-term rentals. So we call you co-host. Um, yes. So when you're doing this co-host, what, what does that typically cost an owner who wants to be completely hands-off? Yeah. Another good name for, by the way, hospitality manager. I like that one. I like um, that. That's yeah. Fast. <laughs> um, so on the setup, we're going to do, we're going to give them two options. Uh, they can either have us completely set it up or if let's say themselves or their cousin or their sister, or whoever has a really good interior design eye, they can go and do the design. We have to do all the consumables. We have to, you know, set up all of that and then shop for those because we have systems within our business that has to be the same color sheets, has to be the same type of pots and pans, all of that good stuff. So they can get it designed by us or they can do it themselves. We do all the setup um, for everything besides the, uh, uh, the, the design. And that's right around $2,000, $3,000, depending on how big the house is. Then month to month, 25% on the nightly income. So if we collect $5,000 for them, we get 25% of that. That's $1,250. On top okay. of that, any of the cleaning fees, that's a pass-through fee. So what's great about that is the owner doesn't have to worry about losing money on the cleaning if we have to double down and, and pay our cleaners more. But because we do that as well, we're, we're very transparent. We tell the owners, Hey, we'll, we'll make a couple dollars on those cleaning fees most of the time, but we're going to pay for all your restocking fees. So you don't have to worry about paying for that toilet paper, paper towels, anything like that, that, um, you know, adds up to a hundred or $200 a month. We'll take care of that for them. Yeah. I think that's pretty industry standard, even for mm -hmm. people who are self-managing, like charge the guests a few more bucks than what the cleaners are charging you so that you can then put that money back towards restocking stuff. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. And what cities do you mostly focus on for the co-hosting or do you, or are you everywhere? Yeah. It's just the three that I mentioned, Fresno, okay. gotcha. Bass Lake and, uh, and Phoenix and Scottsdale. Okay. Do you have any plans to expand elsewhere? Or are you pretty happy with those, those three markets? You know what, what I've found with expanding to different markets and maybe you've experienced this, maybe not, but if we, if we're going to expand into another market, we need to see the opportunity to grow. We're not going to do just a one-off over in Southern California or in Miami. That's, that's just not our business model. Our business model is to get one and expand it to five and then 10. And if I'm going to do that, I have to build a pretty decent sized team, a reliable team. And I have to give them enough business to where they keep me as their number one contact, right? If my phone, if their phone rings and they see my name on the other end, they know they're going to answer. They know they're going to get business right away. If I can't go into a market and do that, then I'm probably not going to do a one-off. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. that's about a six month process of, you know, building up those mm -hmm. relationships, building up that kind of business. And so for that reason, 
I don't really want to go into another market right now. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear it's hard because like you said, when you've got cleaners and handy people and you know, everybody that you might need to call at some point, if they know that you've got 10 properties, then they're probably gonna pick up the phone faster than if you've just got one. It's just, you know, exactly. whether that's good or bad, whatever, yeah. but people are gonna pick up the phone for bigger fish more often than the smaller ones. Um in terms of, you know, if they're getting business or not. So the more business you send people, the more apt they are to pick up the phone and get done what you need done. So exactly. I totally agree with that. Not, not spreading yourself too thin on the markets. Yeah. And, and I think really the, the bigger focus we have right now, which is a little bit more active than usual for me is jumping in and saying, okay, we need to kind of get rid of this bottom 20% that's not performing so that we can make room for other properties that are going to perform a lot better. And that way, you know, if I can get rid of four properties that are not performing, I can replace that with one and replace that income. I, I do a couple things. I, I make my, my team's life a lot easier because now they only have to focus on one property instead of four. Um, and I'm able to really just simplify the, the business model. So we're really focusing on that right now. We're focusing a lot less on the number of units and a lot more on uh, just, Hey, what's, what's the overall income so that things don't have to be 20 different turnovers in a day. Maybe we can reduce that to 12 or 15 and make life easier. Totally. So if you have to fire, like, do you fire a, a property when you have to get rid of the not performing ones? So you have to call that owner and say, Hey, I'm not managing your property anymore. Yeah, no, that that's, that's an art as well. Um, <laughs> so what I'll say about the coasting model Right. All right. So we start with ownership, highest risk, highest reward, arbitrage, lower risk, lower reward, co-hosting, probably lowest risk and lowest reward. Still very, uh, very fruitful, though. But the the reason that co-hosting kind of gets a bad rap every once in a while is because people don't know how to manage relationships with the owners. They they turn these owners almost become their bosses. Uh, we have very strict boundaries within with our business relationships with owners. And for that reason, uh, it also makes it really good on the back end when we say, hey, this property is not performing. We can go to them and say, <clears throat> you know, as you can probably see, this property isn't performing anymore. What do you want to do? And, and we just kind of give them that option of, hey, do you want to do you want to take this over yourself? Do you want to turn it into a long term rental? And we just kind of open the, the conversation a little bit. And then like recently, I had a person who said, actually, I'm pretty happy with how it's going. And I was able to tell them, well, here, here's the thing. This is a two bedroom. We have the same amount of resources that we have to apply to a two bedroom versus a four or five bedroom. And the four or five bedrooms are just, let's just be honest, they're performing a lot better. What I can do for you is I can either help you to manage this on your own moving forward, or I have a business associate with a different business here in town that I can refer you to and he'll take over and do the exact same thing we've been doing. Um, so it's a pretty seamless transition if we do that. So we, we make sure we don't leave our owners in the dark if we are going to do that. Now, if the owner's just being an asshole and is not working well with us, then, you know, that's a different situation. Right. Of course. So, okay. You come at it from a, an approach of like, Hey, how can we best help you get this to do yeah. what you want it to do? I don't think we are the people that are going to get it to do what you want it to do, but how can we help you do that? Yep. You nailed awesome. it. Let them down easy. All right. Exactly. Well, Kyle, we have come to the last three questions of the show. First question, what advice would you give 20-year-old Kyle? Yeah, I've gotten this one a few times. Um, read more, feed your mind with a lot more, and get a mentor. So 
I would say the first business I started, I was 23 years old and I didn't have a mentor and I just was like, I'll figure it out. And it took me six years to finally realize that my business model sucked and I could have <laughs> saved a lot of time. And uh, so right from the get go, just learning a lot more, feeding my mind with podcasts, books, and uh, finding a mentor to show me the way. All right. Great answer. And along the same lines, but slightly different, what advice would you give a new investor who's getting started today? Uh, figure out the lifestyle that you want, not the income. There's a huge difference in that, right? If, if I'm making 50,000, the four hour work week is a good book for this, by the way, it, it really outlines it. If I'm making $50,000 a month, but I'm putting in 50 hours a week of work versus if I'm only making $20,000 a month, but I only have to put in 20 hours of work a week, who's, who's the richer one? Who's the more fulfilled person? Uh, so when you think about, Hey, I'm going to get into short-term rentals. I'm going to get into flipping. I'm going to get into real estate. Really think about what do you want the lifestyle to look like? How much does that cost? both with time and money, and then reverse engineer it from there. Asking how much something costs with time, I think is a big one that people mm. forget about. They yeah. forget, oh, well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to spend all of my time doing X, Y, or Z to make this much money. And do I really need that much? Is the actual wealth, the freedom of time or the actual income? And I think that's really important. You hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I, I think there's two questions there. And I can't remember who I was talking to recently, but they they told me this. So I'm definitely stealing it from someone. Uh, <laughs> they said, can I do it? And is it worth it? Right. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. The, the real question is, is it worth it? Can I go clean my Airbnb? Yeah, sure, I can. But is it worth it? No, I, I can pay someone $25 to $35 an hour to go do it while I go do a $1,000 per hour task. Absolutely. Great answer. And you jumped ahead a little bit. Maybe you'll have oh. a different book. Uh, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset? Yeah. Um, mm, you can, can, I four hour work. can I give two? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I give as many right, as yeah. Four hour work week is good, but I would say chop wood, carry water. Super simple read. I have not heard of that one. Yeah. That one's really good. Um, writing that, down. that one, especially if you're new to the business world, I would start with that one. When you start building a team and you start to develop, you know, this idea of, all right, I need to hire people. I need to fire myself from a few things. You're definitely going to want to jump into the dream manager. That one's one of my favorites as well. Um, really, really awesome on helping learn how to build culture and loyalty within your organization. Two great recommendations. I have not read either of those. I've not even heard of the first one. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you. I love book recommendations. So Cool. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. If our listeners want to learn more about you, find you on the internet, lurk you, all that fun stuff, how do they do that? Yeah, the easiest way is just go to our website, fearlesskyle.com, fearlesskyle.com. You can get directed to my Instagram, my Facebook, my YouTube, my podcasts, all over that. Um, and then we do have the one of the largest Facebook groups in the world for Airbnb. It's called Airbnb Masterminds over 140,000 members, tons of knowledge and value being dropped in there all the time. Uh, so if you want to go join a free community, there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. Lots 
lots and lots of valuable information here. We've had a lot of people on who talk about how to own, but we haven't had a lot of people on. We have a lot of people who have questions about arbitrage and co-hosting, but we haven't had a lot of content about that. So thank you very much. I think this is going to be an episode that a lot of people get a lot of value out of. Awesome. Hope it helps someone. Yeah. Thanks so much. We'll catch you later.